0: This is The Grid presented by American Shield Roofing and Construction, LLC. When you find yourself needing a roof repair and are looking for a roofing company, American Shield Roofing and Construction is happy to meet your needs. When dealing with a roofing company, you need a roof contractor who is dependable, who can arrive on time, and provide you a quality new roof in a timely manner. Our goal is to present you with honest, accurate information, quotes, and estimates. Call us at 361-343-7018 or visit us at americanshieldroofing.com. Proud title sponsor of the 2021-2022 Victoria Advocate Varsity Cup Awards. Welcome into episode 18 of The Grid. I'm your host, Sam Fowler, the assistant sports editor of the Victoria Advocate. With me as always, sports editor Mike Foreman, Jeremiah Sosa back with us as well. It's a sad week. It is a very, very sad week in the crossroads. Not only is it the end of the football season, but we don't have a state champion this year, Mike. We do not. And that is very sad. We want to hear from you though. Get in touch with us through Facebook, Twitter, or email. Facebook get in touch with us either through the Victoria Advocate Facebook page or the Advo Sports page. Twitter, our handle is at AdvoSports and email is sports at vincan.com. On the show today, we're going to recap just an awful day all around for Refurio at AT&T Stadium in the Class 2A Division One State Championship game. We've got some coaching changes, some really big coaching changes, plus some stuff from the early window for signing day. And, hey, it's time to announce the all-area volleyball team. We got that coming up. So let's get right to it. Holly 54 refurio 28. One thing I want to lead with is refurio head coach, Jason Herring might actually have a point Went on, he, he was asked at the presser, you know, just by, by Mike, Mike, you asked him what happened and he went on and, and then I tried to ask him a second question and he continued to say he just wanted the normalcy. He, he wished, that his team could prepare and you'd been talking about that's nothing new he wants that and he's he's not shy about it it just when it comes after a loss it's certain in the state championship game with all eyes on you certainly comes it certainly feels a little weird here's what Jason Herring said that kind of stirred up the social media world after the after the loss in AT&T Stadium there's no excuse but the routine is so
1: different Holly lives two hours from us, and gets to sleep in her own bed, practice three times, and we get to practice twice. Uh, it's just hard. Uh, I love state championships. I hate everything about the way it's set up because it's the most important, just being honest, it's the most important game of the year. Uh, we put in all this work and we get two days to practice. And, and it's just not the same for everybody when we have to spend the day traveling uh, and everybody else gets to sleep in their bed practice at home and then get up. I petitioned the UIL for to let us practice on Sunday. They let us do it last time. This time they said no. So we did as as good a job as we could getting the kids ready. And I'm not going to make an excuse. I know the rules apply to everybody, but uh, it's just not the same when you have to drive eight hours and waste the whole day and you can't work out and the other team gets a, a full practice and gets to sleep in their own bed. Hard, you know, like I said, I, I think the UIL is the, the greatest organization in the country, okay? And there's no question, I love Susan, I love Dr. Braddock. I love, they do a great job. What I'm telling you for selfish reasons is on the biggest game of the year, I wish it could be normal. We played in eight of these and played horrible in all eight, and got lucky in one, three of them. We just haven't played good at state. And the only thing I can attribute it to. It's a six-hour bus trip, only two practices,
0: just no normalcy. No normalcy. For, I mean, certainly, you and I, you and, I and, and Kit, we follow, we followed the Bobcats up there. We met up with them at Waco Midway and saw them go through practice, but it wasn't even really a practice. It was a walkthrough, and we're going to get to that a little bit, but let's get into just kind of the awful, the, the just an awful game for Refurio all around. Started off with the opening kickoff, uh, as Ernest Ernest Campbell could have gone out. The ball could have gone out, but he decided to feel the emotions, the adrenaline's going. Certainly, I, I understand where he's coming from, but that ball was on its way out, and then he gets tackled at the 16. Then uh, Jordan King's tackled for a three-yard loss on the first play from scrimmage. Then 33 seconds into the into the game, or 37 seconds into the game. The Bobcats have to burn their first time out. Then eventually on that drive, what happens? Keelan Brown fum- it, Initially, it was he was ruled down and it was a sack. But Hez Parker, who was eventually named the defensive MVP of the game, was then later credited with a strip sack. And Holly recumb- recovered a fumble that was overturned via review. They went on to score, and Holly just just cruised. It was mistakes, 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 Mike. And, you know, maybe maybe in another game you get away with it. Maybe it doesn't make as big of headlines. But in a game where they could not afford any mistakes, Refurio got them just, you know, what's your take away from this?
2: Well, first off, I, I would say that this is uh, one game where I really felt like uh, Refurio's youth showed. Uh, I don't know if it was the big stage. I mean, playing in AT&T, you wouldn't think that would affect them. But uh, they, they made a lot of mistakes that teams that are young make. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure they'll learn from it. I think they, the, the lessons they'll have to take away from this is, one, they're going to have to be more physical. Um Hawley was the more physical team. And, you know, Refuro had done a good job of that this year, of becoming more physical. But it it certainly didn't show against Holly. The other thing is, obviously, like you said, turnovers. You cannot afford turnovers in a big game like this and get away with it. Um, uh, the other thing is... <laughs> I noticed, and you may have noticed this too, it, it almost seemed like Holly knew their snap counts. They were in that backfield so fast, so many times. And, you know, I, a lot of times teams will guess or on a cadence, or, and, you know, maybe get offsides once or twice. Holly was never offsides, and they were in that backfield in a hurry, which made led me to believe. I don't know how they got it, but they must have seen something on tape or something that they figured it out. Um, I think uh, that some of the lessons that Refurio takes away from this, uh, also, they're, they they found out what it's like to have to tackle a big, strong running back, and you cannot—you have to wrap him up, you have to hit him low. You, you know I don't know how many tackles uh crumpton broke but it was a lot because it sure seemed like they they were hitting him a lot at the line of scrimmage and then he'd end up with six yards so that's the kind of thing that you know that you can't do in a state championship game if if you want to be successful and that being said you still look at it reffuo scored 28 points and if you look at the stats they're they're not that lopsided as the game so that tells you that the mistakes that refurio made really showed up
0: yeah the biggest takeaway in the stats was i think it was four turnovers by refurio holly went on to score on all four of them that's that's the biggest thing right there holly coming up with points on each of them that's 28 points right there hey we got a, we got a different ball game right here now, Refereo, if they don't give up those turnovers, we're looking at a 28-26 game. Refereo's got its, got its sixth state title. But instead, those mistakes are, are magnified on the state's biggest stage. Also, I've got to say Austin Compton was a massive bowling ball in this game. I, was, I looked at kit and some of the uh, some of the, some of our other media friends after for, uh, a couple of runs he's he's not Dalton Brooks I would not say I would not compare him to Dalton Brooks but his toughness his physicality might be up there with Brooks if not even higher than the Texas A&M pledge next next thing I wanted to talk about we we heard the rant and and you and I we <laughs> We talked ad nauseum about what to do uh, with with the state championship. Certainly, I mean, I know there are a lot of people that love AT and Stadium. I love it too. It's certainly for us. It's a fun little. It's a fun trip to get to go up there. It's a little bit of a reward from the journalist perspective. It's a reward to the to the players, to the coaching staff, and all that to get to go and play on one of the most extravagant, play in the most extravagant stadium in the state. But certainly there is a little bit of imbalance in it. Don't get me wrong. I get it. You know, you play, if you play Wednesday night or or Thursday morning, yeah, you're, you're going to have to play, you have to play Thursday the week before. Or, and then potentially if you're uh, Wednesday night, you have to practice that Sunday. Well, let's look at some potential options. A lot of people wanted to throw out there. Well, why not go, why not go to the Alamo dome? Why not go to NRG? Let's be honest. N- not many people want to do that. You and I also talked to I me mean, the Alamo dome good, but it's not, it's not as conducive to hosting a, a, an event like that. NRG has its problems. It's, and also it's the home of the Houston Texans. I don't like it at all whatsoever. Please get better. What, what? The thing I I really like is why not invert the schedules to be fair? I know that I know that that would t- that would tank some of the ratings, but if you flip the eleven man schedule to where sometimes you've got the six A's kicking off the eleven man schedule Wednesday night, right after the six man games. I mean, why not? Why not? I mean, that's in fair like that's total fairness, Mike. <laughs> What do you think about that idea, and why would that not pass?
2: Well, there's a simple answer, and it's money. And money drives everything. And, I mean, it's the reason that we're playing at AT AT&T Stadium. I mean, uh, for those of us who have been around long enough, we remember when state championships were played just like any other playoff game. The two coaches would determine a neutral site, and that's where they would play. Um, there are a lot of layers to what uh, Coach Herring said after the game. Um, and uh, I I know a lot of coaches agree with what he said, especially 2A and 3A coaches, because um, you know they're the ones that are playing Wednesday and Thursday. And you go back and you know it's easy to say, well, just play Thursday, you know, and then you're ready. But go back another week and you've got Thanksgiving. And who's going to play on Thanksgiving? So then you're almost forced to play on Friday. Then you have to go to Thursday. And then you either go back Thursday or Wednesday night. So it is an issue. And here's another issue that uh, was brought up by David Lucio, the tight end coach. What's going to happen when they go to 7A? How are we going to get all those games in? We're not. So i what I think maybe they there's a couple of options they may ought to look at one would be to play the bigger schools you could play maybe at a t and t and have the smaller schools maybe play at the Alamo Dome you know that way you could get your two a and three a to play uh Friday Saturday, and then you have your bigger schools still on that same schedule as well. The other thing is um you could look at is uh possibly uh for those of us remember last year or 2 years ago in the pandemic remember how the bigger schools started later in the year and finished later that's another possibility and actually it might actually work because you know that way for the later schools uh the weather would be better for them when they start you wouldn't be playing in the heat of august And, uh, you could finish up with your state championship so it doesn't conflict with the pro playoffs, which is an issue for AT&T. There's a lot of things that, um, the UIL I think is going to have to look at because I think 7A is, uh, is coming. It's just a matter of when it may, it may not be this next realignment, but I think two years from, from then it's probably a good likelihood. So, uh, There are a lot of things to look at. And, um, you know, I understand where uh, co-chairing is coming from. And I think, like I said, a lot of 2A and 3A coaches agree with him. Uh, What came out wrong, I think, is where he said it and when he said it. You know, after such a bad loss, everybody just said, oh, he's making excuses. But uh, he had some valid points. And I think that's something that uh, needs to be discussed.
0: Yeah, I totally forgot that 7A is looming over the horizon. Uh, I mean, you and I were both there at coaching school a couple of years back. I think it was, was it Logan or was it Bridehop that, that said, uh, you know, they wish, they wish schools would, the school districts would build the, the two A schools and not try and build the, the fi- the fives and the six A's. I mean, so that, that is definitely on the horizon. And my – Mike just brought up a scary point that that definitely for me as someone who loves to plan things uh definitely gives me a little anxiety. Speaking of anxiety, coaching changes. We have some. Let's start with the 2A the 2A level. Joe Bill, he's out at Louise, 61 year old. Uh, he's been he's been at Louise for for a little bit and now Manny Freeland is coming in. I mean, what do you make of this, Mike? This is a This was a pretty quick turnaround. It seemed like they knew they knew pretty early who they wanted to go to. And now it seems as though Louise has got their guy. Do you think Freeland can come in and, and get Louise to do some good things?
2: Yeah, I I think this is pretty much a done deal when Manny came back as the offensive coordinator. Uh, He's coached there before he coached with uh, coach Lucio was there. And I, I believe his wife is from Louise, so it's a logical move. Uh, Manny will do a good job. He's familiar with the kids there. Um, the The thing that could really help him would be uh, another year from now if realignment took him away from Fall City and uh, Burton. That's what Louise really needs is to get out of that district but uh, yeah that that was one of the changes, and of course, Schulenberg has a new coach now um coming from uh columbus uh offensive coordinator uh he came over and um in Flatonia, we're still waiting on that but the the big one uh that we're gonna talk about came from right here in Victoria,
0: yeah, we were hoping for a nice quiet friday after after Covering the state championships, and I got I we got back at we were back at like three in the morning. It was it was early, 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 and I ended up I ended up only getting I think I only got like three or four hours of sleep. I just couldn't I just once I woke up to the dogs I could not I could not fall back asleep. So I stay up and I'm just sitting there laying in bed, and next thing I know, I get a text from somebody saying. Hey, uh, Roland Gonzalez is retiring and sure enough, uh, Victoria ISD athletic director, Spencer Gant confirmed it. Roland Gonzalez out after, after a long tenure at, at Victoria East, Jeremiah, you talked to him and it seemed like Roland just kind of, it, it, it seemed like he knew, he knew that this time this was the right time for him to kind of take a step away and, and kind of focus on the other things he wants to in life.
3: Yeah, well, whenever I talked to him, you know, he was just mentioning how, you know, a big factor in his decision to, to retire was, you know, that he wanted to spend a lot of time uh, with his family and that he thinks that, you know, I mean, he, he's been a, a coach for 33 years, so um, he re- he really wanted to just, you know, spend time with his family. But, I mean, you look at his 10-year, 11 years, um, you know, took took Titans to the playoffs six times. Ended with the fifty-eight and fifty-nine record, and um, you know it, it's um, you know if, if you're east, you know you're looking uh, to to get a new head coach who's kind of kind of trying to bring in that you know uh, you know winning pedigree and maybe take teams you know in, in deep into the playoffs. I know uh, under Gonzalez, there I think their deepest run was with uh, Bailey Zappi a few years ago when they went to the state uh, state quarterfinals, and um, yeah, I, I just think that. You know, if you're Gant and you know VISD, you just kind of want to bring in someone who, uh, you know, who can uh, continually just take, 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 uh, take the Titans, you know, into deep playoff runs.
0: Yeah, that's that's certainly what they want to do. Talking to Gant, he he wants that, and talking to a number of people over over in that uh, in the school district. Period. They want they want East to 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 they want East to be be good because that is a program, especially when you when you peel back the layers and you look at their sub varsity teams. They're good, they're really good. Wes Coley, who who coaches their freshman team, they went that team went undefeated. Wes Coley does a great job always getting them getting them going. Uh, I think this freshman group. I'd, I wouldn't. I don't want anyone quoting me on this, but I feel like someone told me that they that they. Hadn't lost a game. Now that has, is unconfirmed, and I cannot support that with anything else. But you know, regardless, there's probably some truth there. They're, you know, they went they went a lot, and they do really well. That shows the talent. Now it's just a matter of getting that talent to translate to the varsity level. And if they if they get a coach who can come in and get that talent to translate, that's going to be fun to watch because then East is going to be really good. East is going to be able to challenge. Veterans Memorial in Miller and, and even for the district and then even that's PSJA Brownsville Veterans Memorial for the for the region I mean that's what they want and I know East is gonna uh, Victoria ISC is gonna go and try and get someone the question is Mike where do where do you go to try and get the, that guy do you try and See see if there's someone around here who can possibly do it, or do you kind of branch out and kind of start a clean slate and get someone from one of the bigger areas of Metroplex, like Houston or or maybe even St. Antonio, Austin area. Uh, do you try and branch out, or do you try and see what you see what you can find here?
2: Well, uh, there are some good coaches around the area, but I think here you start with a clean slate. I think you want to really get someone in there that's gonna you know, kind of just uh start anew over there and uh really uh kind of build that program from the ground up, go in there and get with the, the middle schools building those programs and then building it all the way up to the varsity level. The question I have um is the is one, um there look there's no we I'm not going to beat around the bush. The facilities are terrible. I mean, let's admit it. Uh, you know, this is, you can't compare our 5A facilities with most of the 5As around the state. You just can't. And that's a drawback. Two, I'm not sure what kind of salary they, they pay. I mean, that isn't always a deal breaker, but it's important. If you want to get a really good coach, you have to make it worth their while. So those are two of the things you have to look at. And, uh, you know, uh, and Spencer, again, he knows what he's doing. He's, you know, he's been around long enough and uh, he's worked in this business and uh, he knows he's just going to have this is something you have to overcome. Um, And I wouldn't preclude, uh, like, say, a coordinator from coming in here that, you know, is really successful. I just think that East needs some new energy over there, just something new to kind of spark them because, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Jeremiah knows probably better than us. Uh, I thought last year's team was very talented and, uh, yeah. And, uh, for them to not win a playoff game, it's just, to me is, you know, uh, I just, if I have a hard time seeing how that happened, but, uh, You know, that's why I say I think they need something to kind of spark
0: them. So that's going to mean an interesting start to the new year monitoring when, if and when that, or well, not if, when the news of a new coach drops at Victoria East. We're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk early signing day. Ruben Owens and Dalton Brooks, they both sign. That's coming up after this break with White Trash Services i'm joined by bj nelson bj White trash services what is it and, and, and what do y'all do
2: well thank you for asking we gather trash in the counties around the crossroads area we've been in business for eight years and we have dumpster trash can and roll off of companies
0: and you know y'all are y'all are big advocates for for sports throughout the crossroads region just what makes y'all want to sponsor uh, all all high school sports throughout the Victoria area.
2: High school sports are amazing. One, they keep kids out of trouble. It teaches them about character, teaches them about right and wrong, uh, how to do better in life. You learn a lot of life skills in sports, and especially football.
0: And how can someone get a hold of White Trash Services to start their service, rent a roll off, or apply to be a part of your team?
2: You can give us a call at three six one. Five five zero one eight two six. I have a team of ladies that answer the phone and gentlemen. So give us a call anytime, eight to five during the day, and uh, we'd be happy to visit with you about any of
0: those things. Welcome back in Dalton Brooks and Ruben Owens. They are both officially Aggies as of Wednesday. Ruben Owens and Dalton or Owens and Brooks both had their signing ceremonies at El Campo and Shiner High Schools, respectively. The two they they're both very excited. Ruben Owens, of course, he flipped his commitment from Louisville uh, very last second, com- uh, in relation to the 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 early the early signing window, and but he's got a lot of expectations. He always had a lot of expectations. He's the number one rated running back in the country, Owens wasn't shy about what he, what he expects to do in Aggieland.
2: Ruben, uh it's done now. You signed with A&M. Uh, kind of what's your feelings
1: right now? i feel good. I feel like it's going to be the next three to four years. It's going
2: to be real great. And, and what about A&M? You felt like that was the right
1: place for you. I just felt like it's supposed to home. El Kempo is like ninety percent Aggies, and I just feel like when, I'm, when I get there, I'm gonna be taken care of.
2: Hey, group, and uh, what do you envision your career at Texas A&M, or what do you envision for your career at Texas A&M, and what are some of your goals
1: in college? I want to try to win a dope walker. I want to win All American Freshman my freshman year and try to win Heisman. Win yeah.
0: Ruben Owens, you want someone a Heisman, and when you're the number one rated running back coming out of this class, you can certainly go ahead and say that. Next, you know Dalton Dalton Brooks, he's a little more he was a little more reserved in in all of this. He was very, he's very excited, signed with uh, with friends, family, and coaches all in attendance. Brooks very excited to become a defensive back for Jimbo Fisher and the Yankees. All right, Dalton. Big day for you. You've been waiting for this. What's it mean to finally sign and and g- become an Aggie?
1: Uh, you know, it's great to have that 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 feeling that is confirmed, and you know, I'm going to be there, and I'm going to be able to make a change and make a difference there.
0: I love hearing Dalton Brooks talk about uh kind of what about his future and all that. He's always very very humble and and very honest. You know, he wants to do a lot of good things, and he feels he can, but he understands that he has to put in the work. And head coach Daniel Bettiker also said the same thing. Mike, both of these guys have a lot of upside. I mean, of course, Ruben Owens—he's got the potential to go win a Heisman if he wants to. He's got the potential to win the Doak Walker. And then, of course, Dalton Brooks—you know—the ceiling's so high for a guy who has a football IQ like him. What does their what does the college outlook for these guys look like?
2: Well, Ruben, uh is going to enroll at midterm, so that means he's gonna go through spring drills and uh he'll have the opportunity to play right away if he can uh you know prove himself to the coaches uh you know anyone that's seen Reuben play knows uh he's got the ability and uh we'll have to see you know obviously the level of competition is gonna be raised when he gets to a and m but um I think uh, he has the ability to do the job. And uh, Dalton, to me, is just has incredible upside. Uh, just his potential is, is unlimited. Uh, he's such a smart football player. that I mean, uh, not only, obviously, he's got the athletic ability, but what really impressed me watching him over the years was just how smart he was on the football field. He knows things. He studies the game, and he's really good. And uh, so I I think uh, both of these guys are big wins for A&M to get them. Um, Of course, you talked about Ruben, you know, flipping late. Uh, But he did say at one point today, I thought it was interesting. um, Obviously, it was no doubt not only the head coach at Louisville left for Cincinnati, but the running backs coach went with him. So... It was pretty obvious he was gonna not going to stay there. But uh, he said, someone asked him, he said, do you think you would have flipped even if that hadn't happened? And he said, yeah, I probably would have. So, uh, you know, A&M was, it was on him from day one. And uh, I guess when Jimbo Fisher made that trip to El Campo that Tuesday, uh, I guess that kind of sealed the deal for the Aggies.
0: I don't know if that's Jimbo feeling the heat or Jimbo just trying to go and get someone to go help that, that offense. I mean, also, I mean, I think I think Devon A. Chain he's, he's leaving. Uh, so, Maggie's yeah, desperately in need of a running back. We're going to take one more break, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about, we're going to hear all of the superlatives and first team. Honorees on the 2022 Victoria Advocate All Area Volleyball Team. After That's coming up after this word from Thrivent Financial. Thrivent is a proud sponsor of The Grid. Thrivent believes money is a tool, not a goal. Thrivent Financial advisor Carly Herrick works with clients to create financial strategies that reflect their priorities and help them protect the things that matter most, like family and giving back can be reached at 361-223-7883 or connect.thrivent.com backslash true-path-planning. Welcome back into the grid. It's time to announce the 2022 Victoria Advocate All Area Volleyball Team. This There were 61 players honored on this team. We'll kick it off with the superlatives first and foremost. St. So- Joseph's sophomore outside hitter Addison Ozuna named MVP. The sophomore had 632 kills, 296 digs, 22 assists, 79 blocks, and 46 aces to help the Lady Flyers get back to the regional final for a second consecutive year. A really good year for Ozuna. She jumped up, made, became a leader this year in just her sophomore year. Here's what Ozuna had to say about this season and the honor of being named MVP. Okay, Addie, MVP, after a great year for you, what, what does this mean for you?
3: Well, this is just where we're starting because I obviously have two more years. Um, I'm very excited to kick off next school season um, and maybe head on the road to state. Um, and I'm super excited to just, like, kick things off again, you know. I know it just ended, but I already miss it so much, and I just – I wanted to
0: start back up again. Now let's take a look at the rest of the superlatives. Offensive player of the year goes to a familiar face out of Goliad, Abby Yanta, a senior middle blocker, 410 kills, 264 digs, 80 blocks, 40 aces for the senior. Yanta is one of the best players in the area, and it showed again as Goliad reached the, I think it was either the 8th or ninth. Straight regional tournament. The Tigerettes just a fantastic job once again. Moving on to Defensive Player of the Year, Junior Libero out of Schulenburg. Kieran Adams had a whale of a year for the Lady Horns. 922 digs, 94 aces as Schulenburg reached the state tournament, eventually falling to Winthorst in the semifinals. Newcomer of the year goes to Carolyn Youngblood, a freshman setter out of Goliad. What a year she had. Youngblood stepped in and head coach Jess Odom wasn't sure what she was going to have to do. She had Kyla Hill there uh, as a setter as well as an option. Then Youngblood, a freshman, just stepped up, took control of the position, and it showed 972 assists, 305 digs, 75 kills, 68 aces, and four. 14 blocks. Youngblood could have also been all-around player of the year, and but she was definitely in the running for it. What a year by Youngblood. We'll move on. Libero of the year goes to Kendall Bargus, a sophomore out of Calhoun. 858 digs, 104 assists, 68 aces, and 68 kills for the sophomores. Calhoun was one step away from reaching... The regional tournament. Setter of the year is going to go to Morgan Koronek, a junior from St. Joseph. What a year she had setting up Ozuna. It's kind of easy to be a center in that offense. What stood out the most was Koronek's ability to not only direct the offense, but also create the offense herself. 1,186 assists for the junior 293 digs, 146 kills, and 100 aces, as well as 92 blocks. A fantastic year for Koronek. The Lady Flyers certainly look like they've got a really good team coming back next year. All-around player of the year, Macy Nelson, a senior middle blocker and defensive specialist from Industrial, 476 kills, 442 digs, 77 blocks, 66 aces, and 30 assists as industrial was able to reach the regional quarterfinals where they eventually fell to Yokum. speaking of Yocum head coach Kayla Natho named coach of the year after guiding the lady bulldogs to a 30 and 13 record and the program's first ever regional final trip where they eventually fell to Columbus Next, we'll dig into the first-team honors, and just a heads-up, we're only going to announce on this podcast the superlatives and the first-team honors. We have second-team and honorable mention, which can be seen in the online on advosports.com as well as in our weekend edition that comes out Saturday. So to the first-team, Jayana Phillips, a sophomore outside hitter from Yoakum, had 401 kills 220 digs, 9 aces, she was named first team. Also, Jessalyn Gibson, a junior outside hitter from Schulenburg, 377 kills, 39 blocks for her. Kyla Hill, we mentioned her, the junior outside hitter from Goliath, had another great year, 346 kills, three hundred and thirty or 353 digs, 165 assists, 46 blocks, 78 aces. Great year by Hill. Morgan Gray, a senior outside hitter from Calhoun, 383 kills, 233 digs, 56 aces, 15 blocks for the Sandys. A senior outside hitter from Victoria West, Caroline Cohen was named first team. 334 kills, 97 digs, 26.5 blocks, and 4 assists for Cohen as the Warriors reached the regional quarterfinals as well. M. Swift, a senior middle blocker from Tidehaven, three hundred ninety-nine kills, two hundred ninety digs, twenty-eight assists, fifty-five blocks, and forty aces for the Lady Tigers. Bridget Bladeau, a junior middle blocker from Saint Joseph, had a phenomenal year at the net: one hundred eighty-six blocks for her, one hundred eighty-four kills, three or thirty-three aces, and fifteen assists for the Lady Flyers. Chris Howard, a senior center from Industrial, had 1,118 assists, 438 digs, 71 kills, 50 aces, and 17 blocks for the Cobras. Macy Blakeney, the junior center for Yokum, had 784 assists, 233 digs, 53 kills, 41 aces, 17 blocks to earn first-team honors. And a freshman from Schulenburg, Landry Zipalik, a setter with 692 assists, 292 digs, 95 kills, 60 aces. Now let's move into the defensive specialist. Rihanna Reyes, the senior libero for the Lady Flyers at St. Joseph, had 650 digs, 80 assists, 50 aces, and a pair of kills. From Victoria West, sophomore libero Jasmine Valenzuela, also named to the first team. 582 digs, 209 assists, 42 aces, 4 kills for Valenzuela. Lastly, Tamara Otto, a senior right side and setter for the Lady Horns. She had 543 assists, 441 digs, 118 kills, 69 aces, and 64 blocks. That rounds out the first team, and the superlative honors for the 2022 Victoria Advocate All-Area Volleyball Team. Once again, you can see the entire All-Area Volleyball Team online at advosports.com, as well as in the weekend edition coming out on Saturday. To recap it. Your MVP is St. Joseph sophomore Addison Ozuna after a monster season with 632 kills. Offensive player of the year, Abby Yanta. She had 410 kills as well as 80 blocks. Defensive player of the year, Kieran Adams. 922 digs for the Lady Horns of Schulenburg. Newcomer of the year from Goliad, Carolyn Youngblood, a freshman setter with 972 assists libero of the year Kendall Vargas from Calhoun, setter of the year Morgan Corneck, all-around player of the year Macy Nelson, and coach of the year is Yokums Natho. That'll wrap it up here for episode 18 of the Grid. We want for Mike and Jeremiah, the entire Advo Sports crew wants to wish you and your family a happy holidays, merry Christmas. Take the time, enjoy your family. It's been busy for us. We're certainly looking forward to little bit of time to to slow down and and kind of enjoy time with our family and we hope you get to enjoy that as well thank you for being with us we'll be back next week with episode 19 of the grid